Welcome to the Nursing Standard Podcast. I'm Richard Hatchett, Senior Nurse Editor. And for those who normally listen to the podcast, you normally hear Flavia Munn introducing me. Well, we reversed it today because Flavia's been out on the road, so to speak. And she's been interviewing Sasha Rowlands, who's a critical care nurse, but who's moved into teaching yoga and as a life coach. She's a trained yoga teacher and life coach. And she's been looking at the issue of moral injury and what we can do to offset that, to prevent that. So Flavia, can you just explain uh, what moral injury is? Yes, absolutely. And it's nice to be in this uh, role reversal too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. So yes, moral injury is a term that actually hails from the military, um, perhaps unsurprisingly. And it's basically a form of psychological distress or, or mental distress that can occur from an action or an inaction that basically goes against your moral or ethical code. So no doubt nurses will, will probably um, think this rings rather true at the moment, sadly. So, of course, in the pandemic, that could mean, for example, that you're used to rolling your, your patients to hourly, but staffing levels or the severity of illness means that you can't do that. And that causes, you know, obviously moral or, or, or mental distress because it goes against what, you know, you, you feel is normally the, the right thing to do. Um, another example could be as well as um, those healthcare staff who've had to shield themselves for reasons of their own um, health or, or that of their families. And they they feel almost that sense of guilt that, um, you know, they, they should, in inverted commas, be um, at work supporting the, the effort against COVID-19. So um, Sasha has been um, talking to me um, about um, a whole um, range of um, helpful techniques really that, that can assist us, us all in, in these times and I, I say us all because I personally found it really useful and um, I'm a, a trained yoga teacher myself so you know it's, it's really nice to um, connect with her as well but she's got um, a whole range of um, techniques or, or methods that, that may help everyone. Obviously you know the the rebreathing techniques. Um, she talks about um, gratitude um, exercises and the the evidence base for those. So she she makes a point about you know it's not all all kind of hippy dippy. There is actually um, evidence for these practices. And she also talks about some of her coaching techniques um, around sort of um, labeling emotions and accepting them. And um, yeah, we can we can all benefit from the um, exercise that she has sort of um in the podcast as well so so that's that's good for listeners well that's brilliant we like hippy dippy though flavia don't we, we, we hippy dippy is good as well <laughs> the, the other thing to mention of course is um that sasha returned to practice this year to critical care during the pandemic as well so she's been juggling a lot of things as as everybody has so let's have a listen to the podcast so today we're further exploring the topic of nurses' well-being, which is an absolutely vital subject right now. So I'm here with Sasha Rowlands, an intensive care nurse by background who's moved into the well-being sphere. So Sasha is a qualified yoga teacher and life coach with a particular focus on the well-being of health professionals. But she's also been helping with the COVID-19 effort and went back to work as a critical care nurse at the beginning of the pandemic. So welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast, Sasha. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
It's brilliant to have you. As you know, I'm also a, a trained uh, yoga teacher, <laughs> so it's lovely to connect. <laughs> and I'm really Kindred pleased. Spirits. <laughs> exactly. And I'm really pleased that we're talking about this this topic because I know there's a lot of interest in from nurses, you know, about how to support themselves. Um, but obviously they're they're very busy as well. So I know we're going to cover a, a bit of that too. So to start off with, can you explain sort of how and why you went from ITU nurse to yoga teacher and, and life coach? I'm imagining that the burnout may have had a role here. <laughs> yeah I don't think it'd be any shock to say that there was definitely some burnout involved um so I as you said I worked in intensive care for for most of my career I had a stint in organ donation as well and and I just kind of started to find it all really stressful and I hadn't I'd never really suffered with stress in the past or so I thought I'd never really experienced it turns out I was just you know, I had tools that I was using, but without realising. Um, and towards the end of my nursing career, I just became more and more stressed and wasn't really recognising it. So I'd reached a point where, you know, when you get that sickly feeling when you're at school the night before school on a Sunday night when you realise you've not done your homework. Oh, I was yeah. getting that feeling. <laughs> I was getting that feeling every night before work and and I just I was I was dreading going in and and I remember having one really stressful day um and um I'd been dealing I'd been dealing with a horrible, horrible case. And to be perfectly honest, I think everyone that was working on the unit that day was probably experiencing an element of moral injury, and I certainly think that I was. And I remember handing over to my colleague, and I just sat at the desk and put my head in my hands and just started to sob. And um, and a few days later, I handed my notice in. I, with, with no real plan, I had no idea what I was going to do. I'd kind of started to discover yoga, um, but didn't didn't I didn't really know very much about it. I'd had a knee injury, and um, and so I, which meant that I couldn't go skiing one year so I went on a yoga retreat instead because if you put a holiday in front of it then I'll, I'll go on anything um and and I found that that really helped my knee so then over time I kind of started to embrace the the more holistic side of it and the the, the relaxation and the meditation and stuff like that and I just kind of fell in love with it and um and so since then I've just been on my own kind of self-development I hate to use the word journey but I'm going to say it my own self-development journey um, and then the next logical step just seemed to be a life coach so that I could share all of the the tools that I've got um, that I've developed over the last few years to help with with stress and like you said I went I went back at the I only did, I didn't do loads of shit so I don't want to um, oversell it but I went back at the peak of the pandemic to help and to be perfectly honest if someone had asked me a couple of years ago if I would have gone back the answer would have been no I don't think I could have faced it so I think that's just testament to how much you're changing your mindset when you when you have the tools to hand um, what a difference it can make so I want to be able to share that with with healthcare professionals because I, want, I don't want other healthcare professionals to, to reach burnout and leave a job that they, at one point, you know, loved. It's so rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. And you also talked to me um, earlier about uh, the concept of moral injury. And I know you were saying that, that you felt that, that you had that sort of prior, prior to leaving. Can, can you sort of expand a bit more on that and, and explain sort of, you know, how, how you're trying to, to help people through, through the work you're now doing as well? 
Yeah, so moral injury. So it's a phrase that's been used. It's been used in the military for quite a long time. Um, and it's only recently started to make its way into healthcare circles in the last few years, but more so during the pandemic. So moral injury is um, where we are conflicted. So we either witness or do something that goes against our own ethical code. So obviously as healthcare professionals, we have very strong ethical moral codes. And when we're under immense pressure, such as during the, the pandemic. So when beds are full and you're making really difficult decisions, you know, you've, you've got a really high acuity of patient. You make an incredibly difficult decisions, which although they're the right decision, and I don't think anyone would ever dispute that. So they are the right decision and they're in the best interests of the people that you're caring for. They don't always sit right with you because they're not what you're used to delivering or what you think you should be delivering. So examples might be, um, you, you know that ordinarily you would be rolling a critical care patient, you'd be repositioning them every two to four hours to, because you know that they're at increased risk of pressure ulcers and you want to prevent that as much as possible. When they're high, you know, acutely unwell, when they're in multi-organ failure, they're at more risk and the more support they're on, the, the more increased that risk is. And yet when you've got such a high acuity of patients, it's actually really difficult to meet that that. Uh, that routine of rolling people two to four hourly because they might be too unstable to roll. You've got people within your bay, you might only have half the number of staff because there's only half of you in there at any one time in full PPE, you know, when you're swapping over. So in terms of the safety of the bay, that might mean that you can't logistically roll everybody as frequently as you would like. So that's a risk to the patient in terms of pressure sore, but obviously the risk of them dying is a higher risk. So you'll wait, so you know that not turning them as frequently is is in their best interest or not cleaning them immediately if they've soiled themselves. It's not, you know that that's not in their best interest, but it doesn't sit right with you because you know that what you would want to be doing when you're giving your best level of care not in ordinary circumstances would be to move them two to four hourly, clean them up immediately, to maintain their own dignity as well as their safety. So this causes this, this internal conflict and, and it just causes you to feel a little bit icky about, about what you're doing, even though what you're doing is right, but it makes it hard to recognise that what you're doing is an amazing job. And it, so it leads to stress, anxiety, ne you know, negative feelings. Um, and ultimately, I suppose it's as sort of a coping mechanism. It can lead to um, compassion fatigue. So you, you become a little bit disconnected. You, you don't much empathy you don't express as much compassion in healthcare professionals you know it's usually bubbling out of you it's it's just a way of drawing that that line I guess because it's something that you cannot change so you kind of feel a bit helpless and we don't like to feel out of control and helpless so what I'm trying to do is just raise awareness about moral injury and also give uh, coping techniques, methods to try and avoid it if possible, but also where we know that we're experiencing it to help to recover from it. Because it's not just during the pandemic that we're going to experience moral injury. It's going to continue well after, after the pandemic is over. That, that wound will still be there. It'll still be a bit sore. It's like if someone punches you in the head, you know, well, long after they've stopped hitting you, you'll have a headache for you know a while afterwards and this is the same the, the the initial cause might have finished once we're out the other side but the long-lasting effects can still be there and it's often leads to um symptoms that are similar to 
PTSD. So again, that's a that's a reason that healthcare professionals leave. So we want to avoid that where possible. And we want people to be able to feel the pride that they should feel in the job, in the work that they do, because it's an amazing job. Yeah, it, you're obviously really passionate as well, about it as well. I can I can tell that so it's coming, coming across really clearly. Um, so so really, what I was thinking there is, um, what what are some of the tools or or techniques that that you would be sort of um, coaching uh, nurses nurses with, you know, to to help with uh, such issues, whether it's you know around moral injury or around you know general stress and exhaustion. Mm. So a lot of it's about um, mindsets. So when we talk about coaching, we're usually helping people to unpick their mindset, their beliefs, their think, their thought patterns, and 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 then help to sort of change their mindset to something that's that's more helpful. Um, and so one of the things is recognizing your internal dialogue. So we have an internal dialogue that's going all day long. It doesn't really shut up. And we need to recognize it because often it's negative or sometimes we might think it's neutral and it's not. It's still airing on the side of negative. We tell ourselves kind of negative affirmations all day long. You should have done. You shouldn't have done this. Your bed space is a mess. Uh, you've not given your drugs quickly enough or that patient needs rolling. And all right, it's a list of things to do. But the way that we deliver it to ourselves, it's it's in a negative way. And what we need to do is shift that to a positive mindset. So what have and change our, our dialogue, our internal dialogue to a positive one. So what have we done amazing that day or not even it doesn't have to be anything that's mind blowing, but just what have we done that's positive? OK, my bed space is a mess. But the reason that the bed space is a mess is because the patient was critically unwell and now they're stable. I've not been able to reposition my patient as often as I wanted to, or they've they've been soiled for longer than I would have liked. But that's because they were unstable. And again, now they're clean and they're alive, or even if they're not clean yet, now you know they're alive and they're stable. So it's really reframing what is a good day, I would say, is really, really important. And I'm recognizing that it's 24-hour care. So if your patient hasn't had a wash yet, as an example. Um, because you've been so busy stabilising them or stable or helping your colleague to stabilise their patients because we're a team, you know, and you and you're handing over something like a wash. We we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because because that's fundamental care, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 it's twenty four hour care, so we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have achieved that that basic task. But at that moment, accepting that it wasn't a priority. And that someone else is able to do that because someone is going to take over when you've gone home. So mindset's really, really important. And yeah, just so I'm not when I say reframing what is a good day, that's not about lowering your expectations. It's about suiting your expectations to the current climate. We're dealing with a very different situation to what we were dealing with in 2019. Um, and so we need to, it's not, it's not fair on ourselves to have expectations that align with 12 months ago when we are here now and and the the landscape of nursing is so different and talking with others so sharing how you're feeling so if you're if you are feeling stressed upset 
these are all perfectly normal emotions so don't demonize them accept that these are emotions that you're feeling you know we've, we're experiencing a high number of deaths at the minute so moral injury is particularly we have moral distress and moral injury they're very very similar but moral injury is particularly related to death and and things that are particularly traumatic and it's normal to be upset by death especially when you're seeing it a lot and you've seen it at the minute so much more than than or than you usually would and it's that's okay to be upset by that so focus on your emotions name them accept them talk about them often when we talk about how we're feeling someone else might say yeah I feel like that too and that in itself just it normalizes it and it makes you it makes you recognize that oh it's not just me <laughs> it's not it's it's not that I can't cope this is normal it's normal to feel sad or it's normal to feel stressed um and gratitude practice so practicing gratitude is it sounds a little bit wishy-washy and a little bit hippy dippy but it's actually there's quite a lot of research into gratitude practice and it it, it helps to reset our mindset so that we have a more positive mindset it reduces stress increases feelings of well-being and so just practicing something daily finding something that you can be grateful for and it doesn't matter how small it is it might be that someone brought you a cup of tea when you were feeling sad it might be putting on clean pajamas when you get out of the shower you know it could just be something really small but allow yourself to feel the gratitude for whatever the thing is that you're feeling gratitude for and if we practice this regularly even writing it down and having a gratitude journal is really good because it makes you sit and think about something or sharing it with someone so something that's really good actually is for accountability is to buddy up with someone and have a whatsapp group maybe or text each other each day with your with your gratitude because when you've got that accountability it makes once they send you theirs it makes you send them yours and vice versa and again so that really helps to foster positivity and reduce stress celebrating small wins as well so yes the bed's a mess yes the patient's not being washed yet but they were really unstable and now they're not that is a win that's not a small win that's a big win but it's a win um so finding satisfaction in small achievements or big achievements supporting one another and also recognizing that we're not always our best selves when we're stressed and upset especially if we don't recognize that that's what we're feeling or or if we don't accept that that they're normal because sometimes I think we feel that we have to put up a front and we have to be strong and not get upset um, because we've got to maintain this professionalism and so sometimes if someone's being particularly maybe offhand with you or rude um just recognize that that's probably not about you you've probably not done anything to offend that person that that is a reflection of how they're feeling they're probably stressed and and anxious and upset about the environment or whatever they're experiencing that day and just not allowing that to affect you allowing that to kind of almost wash over you and be there for them be there for one another support each other it's really, really important. And of course, seeking professional support. So if you think that the really things are really getting on top of you, speak to your managers. A lot of trusts, I think, have implicate, implemented more holistic support for staff, but absolutely seek professional help if you need to. And recognise that that is strength, that is not a failing. Um, and breathe. So br- deep breathing is always really, really good to help with stress anxiety just it helps to just ground you in the present moment when we take deep breaths 
that helps to it helps to calm our nervous system so if you think about how we breathe when we're stressed you know the heart's racing we're kind of entering into fight or flight mode so because we want to get oxygen around the blood the lungs start working faster we, we breathe more uh, more rapidly and more shallow and then the rapid shallow breathing kind of exacerbates this stress response. So if we can get on top of the breathing and just start to breathe slowly and deeply, that's how we breathe naturally when we're relaxed. So then it helps to foster this sense of relaxation within our within our mind and our body. So then we, we start to feel more relaxed. So our, our state starts to match our breathing. And we're going to do some of that, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 great. Because I mean, it's it's really important, isn't it? it? It kind of moves you into into that state of of sort of more a, a balanced state, and you know that that kind of rather than fight or flight, uh, rest or digest, isn't it? So I think it's yeah. often referred to. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so so perfect. Well, thanks thanks for that, Sasha. So um, now you're going to to lead um, Lucky Me and uh, listeners uh, through through <laughs> a short practice. So I'll 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 let you you start. Wonderful. So make yourselves comfortable sit down or lie down and just close down your eyes and just start to settle into your position just notice the weight of your body notice any sensations in the body Notice your feet against the floor, your back against the chair, or your whole body against the, the bed if you're lying down. And just allow your shoulders to relax, and your jaw to be soft. And just bring your awareness into your breath. You don't need to change the breath just now. Just notice it as it flows in and out the body. Notice if it's rapid or slow, if it's shallow or deep. Notice without judgment. Just observe it. Notice your chest rising and falling with each breath. Your belly maybe moves as you breathe. There might be some movement in the shoulders as your chest expands and relaxes. You might notice the fabric of your clothes moving against your skin with each breath. And just start to deepen the breath. So breathing in through the nose or the mouth if your nose is stuffy, expanding the lungs, breathing all the way into the belly. 
And then releasing the breath slowly through the nose or through the mouth. As you breathe in, just notice the temperature of the air. And notice that it's a little bit warmer as you breathe out. Feel the cool air hitting the back of the throat on the inhale, traveling all the way down into the lungs. And then track that breath all the way back out as it leaves the body a little bit warmer. Deep, slow breaths, just focusing on all the elements of the breath. Maybe there's a smell to the air or a taste. If your mind wanders, that's fine. As soon as you recognize it, bring it back to your breath. And just start to notice how you feel, how your body feels, if it feels a bit more relaxed, a bit softer, so the mind feel a bit calmer as you just focus on the breathing. And just remember that this tool is available for you to use anytime, anywhere. You can always just bring your focus to your breath just for a few moments. And you can recreate this feeling of calm. And then when you're ready, slowly blink open your eyes. Oh, that was absolutely lovely, Sasha. Thank you. Fortunately, um, I'm <laughs> fortunately I'm I'm awake. <laughs> just <laughs> but um yeah, hopefully hopefully people will will benefit from that. I I certainly did. Um, with that um, in mind, what would you say is the sort of um one take home if you like tip for nurses from from this discussion we've had? And I mean, I'm thinking probably quite a tip you know something they they can do 
Yeah, I think definitely coming to your breath because that's something when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed, a bit stressed, upset, because that's, you know, it's something that we're doing all the time anyway. And and just deep breathing, you know, you don't even have to look a bit weird. <laughs> it's just taking some deep breaths. You don't have to even draw attention to yourself. You can do it at the bedside. Um, I think that's a really, really great tool for just grounding yourself. And also just self-kind, just kindness, kindness to yourself um, and not having too much pressure on yourself, just accepting what is and kindness to each other, of course, you know, and, and accepting that everyone's experiencing the same thing in different ways. Brilliant. Thank you. And thank you for being kind enough to, to share that with us and, and listeners as well. I, like I was saying, I, I think it will, will be a benefit to people. I know that at the moment we're, we're, we've got a lot of interest in, in well-being and support for nurses, which, which is not surprising. So thank yeah. you very much for your, for your time, Sasha. It's lovely to have you on the thank podcast. Well, thanks, Flavia. That was really, really helpful because I've been hearing about moral injury a lot during the last year. So it's good to have someone explore what it actually means. Any final thoughts? Well, I think, like you say, the, the practice, I hope, will be of use to, to many people. But I also think that it's really important to stress that, you know, what is useful to, to one person may not be as useful to others. So I think it's very much an individual thing with well-being as to what works for you. So Sasha offered, you know, a number of techniques in, in this um, episode. So I, I just hope that, you know, perhaps people can, can have a go and, and see what may, what may work for them. Brilliant. And it would be very unkind of me not to let you do your famous ending at the end of the podcast. So do you want me to do that? <laughs> yeah, OK. <laughs> well, as always, we always say thank you very much for listening. And we always like to get feedback from our listeners. So please rate or review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And you can also leave a comment beneath the news story that is connected to this episode. And as always, we shall put all the resources connected to this topic in the show notes of the episode and the aforementioned news story. So thank you for listening.